Stolen by Stories. Written by my dad. It's my dad too. <laughs> Annie's street wasn't very busy, which was nice when you wanted to ride your bike, but it wasn't great for selling lemonade. She'd been outside forever, almost an hour, and only one car had gone by. It was hot and humid at 10 in the morning, and it was only going to get hotter. The ice was gone. She added extra lemon juice to make up for the melted water. She was just about to get more when Mr. Wallace came out his front door. He waved to Annie, smiled, then started shuffling across the street using his cane. Mr. Wallace was old but nice. Not cranky at all now that Annie's dad was gone. Her dad only drove down the street in his noisy car when he came to pick Annie up. Annie loved that car. Mr. Wallace was less of a fan. The elderly man would be gone soon, too. There had been a truck across the street all day yesterday with the word donation on the side. Workers had been clearing out his house. He said others would come today for the garage. Having all those people around was why Annie thought a lemonade stand was a good idea. She was glad the workers weren't back yet. It meant Mr. Wallace would be around a little longer. Still, she had to think about her bottom line. What have you got there? Mr. Wallace asked, looking at Annie's little stand. There was a sign that said lemonade. Annie had drawn it herself on poster board. And there was the pitcher of lemonade right in front. Annie wasn't sure why Mr. Wallace was confused. But then again, he was old. It's a lemonade stand, Annie said. Would you like some? Not particularly, Mr. Wallace answered while looking at Annie's little table. It was a dingy piece of plywood that she dragged out from behind the garage. It was stacked and leaning on cardboard boxes, ready to fall over. Oh, okay. Annie stared at the ground. Mr. Wallace had spent most of his life as an engineer and a scientist. He was only interested in facts, but then he saw the look of disappointment on Annie's face. He'd raised two daughters. One of them was a scientist, too, an expert in robotics. The way he remembered it, even she didn't like hearing the truth all the time. You know what? Maybe I will have some, he said. Annie brightened. That'll be a dollar. Mr. Wallace looked at the tiny cups. Oh, okay. He reached into his pocket, pulling out a massive billfold. There was very little money in it. It was full of pieces of paper, mostly cards and coupons. Little steep, he muttered. Well, what's that? Oh, oh, nothing, Mr. Wallace said. Annie handed the cup over with a wide smile. She watched and waited. Mr. Wallace took a sip. It was awful. He tried to smile, but the drink was so sour that his face tightened into a grimace. How is it? She sensed by his coughing that there was something wrong. Um, well, it's... Annie, did you put any sugar in this? I did not. My mom doesn't like me having sugar. He glanced over the board at the little green bottle. Lemonade! <laughs> Without some sort of sweetener, to counteract the god-awful bitterness, can be a bit tough to swallow. <coughs> Other than being incredibly warm and sour, it's certainly, um, something to drink. Maybe I should pour it out. Annie picked up the pitcher. No, don't do that, Mr. Wallace said, putting his cup down. You've got a good start, but I bet we can make it better. He gently took the pitcher from her and looked down at the cloudy fluid. No sugar, you said? Yes, that's right. How's your mom feel about honey? She looked back at the house, wondering if she should interrupt her mom, who was trying to finish a paper. Her mom worked, went to school, and did all the stuff around the house, like laundry, the yard, dishes, cleaning, cooking. She didn't like being interrupted. 
I think honey would be fine. Excellent. I've got some in the cabinet, and since your lemonade is so warm, it should mix well. Good lemonade should be homogeneous. Say what? It means the same throughout. Mr. Wallace sounded distracted as he stood back looking at Annie's little table. He turned, glancing at the sun getting higher in the sky. It was going to be a hot one. He picked up her pitcher and started back toward the house. We'll need something insulated and a way of keeping it cool. Where are you going? Annie asked. I'll be right back, he called over his shoulder. Mr. Wallace disappeared into his garage through the side door. Time passed. Eventually, after a rather long wait, Annie got up, ready to go back into her house. She knew Mr. Wallace took naps. In fact, any time she'd seen him sit down, his eyes would close a second later. She figured that's what was happening here, though she wasn't sure if there was a chair in the garage for him to nap in. Annie was halfway across the lawn when she heard the big roll-up door on the other side of the street open. She looked over her shoulder. The garage was chock full of stuff from the front to the back. Tools, machines, and crazy silver things were piled everywhere. That's probably why the donation truck hadn't returned. They must have gotten a look inside and decided it wasn't worth the effort. Mr. Wallace came out from behind the piles and waved Annie over. There was something rolling in front of him, out of the driveway. It looked like a shiny silver go-kart. Annie was excited. She loved driving. But as she got closer, she noticed it had no seat. Mr. Wallace was holding a large remote in his hand, moving a little joystick on it. I think we can repurpose this rover, he said as she got closer. It's stripped down, but its solar array should still work. We tested it in an active volcano, so I think it should be able to handle a hot summer day. <laughs> Annie had no idea what he was talking about. He stepped back into the garage and came out with a large metal container. I've got a vacuum-sealed fuel drum here, too. Don't worry, it's never been used. I can run its cooling system off the solar array, you know, for the lemonade. He placed it on the rover. Then he stepped away, coming back with something long and folded up, like one of those pop-up canopies you see at barbecues, only bigger. Now this will keep you cool. It's a mobile habitat. We built it for Mars. For some reasons, it's got a cooling system as part of the oxygen scrubbers. Honestly, why would you need a cooling system on Mars? It's cold there already. What were they thinking? Annie asked, shaking her head, pretending like she had any idea what he was talking about. Mr. Wallace shrugged, then said, Oh, I forgot one more thing. He pulled it out of his pocket and handed it to her. He started to say, That's... But Annie interrupted, looking down at the little bottle shaped like a bear. It's honey. I know what honey is. Mr. Wallace glanced over his shoulder with a confused look. What is it? I forgot where I put the lemonade. He started into the garage. Annie followed him. At the back of the room was a workbench, covered in scientific equipment, including a large beaker filled with a foggy liquid. It sat on a little tray and was being gently stirred by something inside it. There it is, Mr. Wallace said. May I have the honey back? Annie passed it to him. Is that my lemonade? What's stirring it? It's a magnet at the bottom of the beaker. He went over and squeezed the honey, nearly emptying the bottle. Cool. Actually, it's still warm. The honey dissolves better that way. We'll cool it in the drum. Annie only heard half of that. She was distracted by everything else in the garage. From a distance at her house, it had all looked like one big scientific mess. But up close, she could see it was organized. There was just so much of it. Her eyes went to one thing in particular, half hidden behind a lawnmower and some other yard stuff. It was a little over seven feet long, silver and tapered at one end, coming to a point with fins on the other side. It was a rocket. She was sure of it. 
But unlike the rover outside, it looked old, like a fancy antique or a toy. Did you build this? She asked. Mr. Wallace looked at it. His eyes were bright, his smile broad. That was a dream I had when I was a kid. I started working on it when the Russians were sending dogs into space. See, I wanted to go to Mars and meet a princess to have adventures with. There are princesses on Mars? Annie asked. Mr. Wallace shook his head. Only in fiction. But when I was a boy, I dreamed about it. It took me years to build this, and by the time I was done, I was too big for it. Still, it started me tinkering, and I made a pretty good life doing that. I probably would have been disappointed by Mars anyway. Does it work? Annie asked. Her hand went to the canopy, covering a small cockpit. Mr. Wallace touched a control on the outside, and the hatch moved back. Inside, a number of lights went on. Maybe it's never been tested, he said. He pointed to the joystick in the middle. The rocket nozzle was simple to build. I had that part done years ago. But the controls were harder. I needed technology to catch up. I programmed a flight transducer that controls the flaps and a GPS autopilot for takeoff and landing. Because let's face it, those are the tricky parts. You say so. Annie nodded. Mr. Wallace looked back at the workbench. I think your lemonade might be done. Shall we set up your stand? It's already set up. Annie glanced across the street at the boxes and the plywood. Trust me, this'll be better, Mr. Wallace said. Twenty minutes later, he'd driven the rover across the street, set up the mobile habitat, poured the lemonade into the cooling tank, and hung Annie's hand-drawn sign on the outside of the airlock. The habitat was like a giant dome tent, complete with its own life support system. Of course, the airlock, a fancy double door, was made for spacesuits. Astronauts would walk up to it, turn around, dock their suits, and then climb out the back. Spacesuits, if you've never seen one, are bulky, awkward things, and not the easiest to get out of. Annie was wearing shorts and a t-shirt, so there was no need for docking, but she still had to go through the airlock. Mr. Wallace had her use the rover like a step to get through the opening. The hatch was just about waist height. It made the perfect little counter for her lemonade stand, but only after Mr. Wallace disabled the safeties to keep the door open. He wired the cooling tank into the rover and set the temp at one degree Celsius, just a hair above freezing. Then he passed it through to Annie, it only took a few minutes to cool the mixture down. When he was done, the lemonade that came out of the tiny hose was the best Annie had ever tasted. She drank a cup, then looked at Mr. Wallace. Do you mind if I have another? Annie, it's your lemonade, he said. Oh, that's right. She smiled. Would you like some? He looked at the tank, remembering the last glass he had. Why not? She poured a cup. That'll be a dollar, she said. When he took out his wallet, Annie laughed. I'm kidding. You get all the lemonade you want. Mr. Wallace shook his head and smiled. He drank his cup and enjoyed it very much. Then he told Annie that he was getting tired. He wasn't about to climb in an airlock, and it was still very hot outside. So he left, going back to his own house, even though it was mostly empty. As the afternoon came, Annie's lemonade stand started to draw the attention of the neighborhood. Teenagers on bikes were the first ones to come and see the dome. They weren't the kindest-looking group, but one of them tried the lemonade as a joke. He even paid the dollar because seeing all the space stuff convinced him that an adult had to be somewhere nearby. He didn't want to get in trouble for stiffing a kid. It was really good lemonade, and soon all of the teens had bought some, and Annie had six dollars. The teens left and word spread. Another hour passed, and Annie was up to thirty bucks. She gave out small cups so she could really make it last. But people were buying more than one at a time, while looking around at the space habitat. Annie was, of course, curious to explore it as well. 
There was some crazy-looking equipment inside, but she knew she needed to stay by the window to serve the line of customers. Unfortunately, the hose coming out of the drum ran dry. Annie wanted to look inside, but she couldn't figure out how to get it open. She was just about to apologize to the people waiting when a truck pulled up across the street. It didn't say donations this time. Instead, it had big black letters, N-A-S-A, written down its length. NASA? What did they want? The people who climbed out didn't wear uniforms per se, but they were all in navy blue polos and khakis with short hair. They moved with authority, dispersing the crowd and coming up to Annie. I'm sorry, we just ran out. Excuse me? The lead man asked. We're all out of lemonade. The man took off his sunglasses, stepped back, and looked at the dome. His eyes went to the rover, then to Annie's hand-drawn sign. He shook his head. I'm sorry, too, he said, but we're going to have to take down your lemonade stand. This is all government property. Oh, can I at least keep my sign? The man turned back to the others. They huddled together, talking. When he returned to the airlock window, he nodded. That'll be fine. There was a flash behind him. Pearson, what are you doing? he asked, looking over his shoulder. One of the polo-shirted men shook his head. I'm sorry, sir, but nobody's going to believe this if we don't have evidence. The man in the lead nodded. An hour later, the dome was gone, along with the rover and pretty much everything else in Mr. Wallace's garage. Only the lawnmower, the yard bags, and a few shovels and toys and trash cans remained. Annie was sitting on the curb, watching the NASA truck pull away, when another car pulled up. A woman got out and went to the front door. A few minutes later, Mr. Wallace came out. He was leaning on the woman's arm, using it to help him walk. He looked tired. Some of the NASA people had been in the house asking him questions. It was stressful, and it had worn him out. Mr. Wallace sat in the car, and he started across the street as the woman came around to get in the driver's side. Is he all right? She asked. The woman smiled at her. I think so. My dad's just tired right now. He'll be able to get some rest at his new home. Can I say goodbye to him? The woman nodded and Annie went to the window as Mr. Wallace rolled it down. I didn't get you in trouble, did I? Annie asked. He shook his head. No, Annie, I shouldn't have brought that stuff home. But I have better luck figuring things out when I'm tinkering in my garage. You take care of yourself, okay? Annie leaned into the window and gave him a hug. Mr. Wallace said something to her, then he held his finger to his lips and gave her a wink. Annie smiled, stepping back. She waved as the car left. Later that night, while Annie's mom was at work, and her grandmother was asleep in the living room. Annie tiptoed to the back door. She was fully dressed except for her boots. She didn't pull those on until she was outside. She went around the house and looked up at the sky, at the distant stars. Then she started across the street. The side door from Mr. Wallace's garage was unlocked. Annie went in. Her footsteps echoed in the wide open space. The people from NASA had been very thorough, taking everything that looked even the least bit scientific. They'd left the yard stuff, though including the lawnmower, the garbage barrels, and they hadn't bothered with the bikes or the old toys left over from when Mr. Wallace's daughters were young. One particular toy was buried beneath the yard stuff. Mr. Wallace had gone to special effort to make sure it wasn't obvious to the people from NASA. He'd piled beach toys, frisbees, and yard games on it. Annie cleared it all away, finding the rocket underneath. It was sitting on a little cart with tiny wheels. She found the button for the garage door, then pulled the whole thing out. She kept rolling till she was in the driveway. She pressed the button on the rocket's side that opened the canopy. There was a note waiting for her. It said, Annie, this is a present for you. I know you'll enjoy it. Then the note went on to explain the launch procedure. There was a helmet with big round goggles on the seat as well. Annie pulled it on, then climbed in. 
She quickly read the instructions, and her hand went to the controls. They were surprisingly simple. All the buttons and switches were labeled. The little cart the rocket was on didn't look special, but it was. As Annie flipped the controls, hydraulic pumps in the cart started to lift the rocket, pointing it toward the sky, straight up to the stars and the big yellow moon. Annie's street wasn't very busy. It might even be described as quiet, right up until the moment Annie hit the ignition. Flames erupted from underneath, blasting out into the driveway. The night air rumbled, windows rattled, and the tiny rocket fired like a silver dart up into the night, lifting higher and higher. There were kids who would have been scared, but that wasn't Annie. She loved it. It was like being in a roller coaster without the tracks. She climbed further into the sky with her hands on the control stick. Mr. Wallace called it the yoke. No, it was a funny name, Annie thought, while holding on tight. The controls were locked during takeoff. But at a certain height, when the stars were brighter and the moon seemed closer, the yoke released and she had full control. Far below was the glow of the city curving away. Annie wondered how high she'd flown in the little ship. She spun it in circles, doing loops through the night sky, laughing the whole time, <laughs> leaving a trail of fire painting the night behind her. There was a clock. Mr. Wallace's note said the little rocket could only fly for so long, 12 minutes to be exact. Then it'd be out of fuel, and it would land automatically. Annie couldn't believe how fast the time was going. She pointed the nose down before the rocket's computer took back over. It guided her to just above the houses in the neighborhood. Annie thought it was taking her home, but it wasn't. She flew over a stand of trees and came out over a pond. There was a big building in front of her. Within a moment, she was landing on its back lawn near the water's edge. The rocket pointed itself up as it came down slowly, hovering for a moment before dropping onto a flat piece of ground. Annie opened the hatch. She wasn't surprised at all to see someone standing there. Mr. Wallace walked out of the shadows. How was it? He asked, sounding younger with excitement. Amazing. I knew it would work. A more cautious person probably would have considered those words and wondered about their own safety. But Annie didn't. She was only too happy to be the test pilot. They talked for a while longer. Annie recounted the whole flight. After a while, she climbed back into the rocket. The controls were set for home, and there was just enough fuel to get there. Before the canopy closed, Mr. Wallace leaned down to her and said, It won't be going to Mars, but it did what it was supposed to. Yeah, and what was that? Annie asked. Well, you see, I wanted to meet a princess to have adventures with, and this whole time there was one living right across the street. He smiled as he closed the canopy, then he stepped back while Annie waved. She hit the ignition, and the rocket blasted off out into the night with the stars twinkling above. Perfect. Hi everyone, I hope you enjoyed Annie of Mars. And if you're wondering, yes, Annie is the very same girl from Downhill Racer. A character from another story showed up as well. It was brief, so if you didn't catch it, don't feel bad. If you did, then let me know. Leave a comment below or email me. I'll give you a hint. You might find her with a robot. You can also sign up for my email list to find out when new stories come out. And I'll tell you about my new book, The Curse of Purgatory Cove. Annie of Mars was inspired by all the space stories I loved as a kid. For years, I wanted to be an astronaut. But the princess I wanted to meet wasn't from Mars. She was from a galaxy far, far away. If you're a Star Wars fan, too, then my next story might be for you. It's called Vader Takes a Dip, and it's based on some truish events. Look for it in two weeks. 
The music for Annie of Mars was composed by Kevin McLeod. Thank you for listening. <laughs>